listening to the VC20 podcast, a space for meaningful conversations and relevant teachings. All right, all right, all right. Let me go ahead and get out of here. But how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? All right, I like it. I like it. Um, you could go ahead and get your Bible, get your notebook. We're going to get started right away today. Being a young adult <clears throat> can be a little bit scary, right? Like our 18 plus years of life, our lives have changed so much, right? We started off as these cute little babies who would absolutely eat anything that came its way from the little spoon, the little choo-choo train spoon. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like maybe your mom did that, something like that. I was like, choo-choo-choo, here's the little spoon, right? Something like that. Uh, we started off just like having no choice and just taking whatever came our way. But as you know, right, as young adults, like everything is so different. And what's a, what ends up happening is now we're the ones who make a lot of decisions. And that's not easy. That kind of puts a pressure on us. And we're the ones conducting our own decisions. And so maybe you're like, yeah, being a young adult is really hard because I'm the one who's deciding how I'm going to be spending my time or where I'm going to be working. And most importantly, who I'm going to become. I don't know if you know this or not, but 35,000 decisions are made on average every single day, right? We make 35,000 decisions a day. And today you made a great choice to be able to come to VC20 tonight because I'm excited, y'all. Listen, God has something for you tonight. And so I think we could all say that we're pretty confident in the way that we go ahead and make decisions, right? Like we can look at our options, we can look at the surrounding environment, what's the situation, and for most of us, we feel confident to make a good decision. But one of the things, can we just be honest for a second, one of the things that is super tricky is to decide when to pray, right? When to pray. That is one of the most difficult decisions because, as you know, we make 35,000 decisions a day, and it's like, which ones are important enough to pray for, right? Like, do I pray that I'm going to make this mac and cheese? I don't know why mac and cheese can... I actually hate mac and cheese. I have no idea why I just said that. But, you know, we have all these decisions, and it's like, which ones are important enough to pray? Now, I got to be honest for just a moment. Um... I have a little, you know, bad habit that I do from time to time. Maybe you share in this as well. But when I make a bad decision, here's what my prayer life usually looks like. God, would you protect me from the results of the bad decision that I just made, right? Like, we can think about it like uh, maybe this kind of a prayer has came up in our lives where we're like, you know what, God? Would you help me to remember the things that I did not study because I have a test today? Like, God, please show up, right? Like, we make a bad decision, and then we go, God, protect us because, yo, I need it. This was a bad decision. And so we do this all the time. Maybe it's like, yo, God, I really need you to show up because I'm on the side of the road, and I should have filled up on gas, but here I am on the side of the road. Real quick, anybody ever been stranded on the side of the road? Okay. Fatima. Everybody look at Fatima. <laughs> yep, we're sorry, Fatima. But anyways, <clears throat> yeah, you know, we make some decisions, and then we're like, God, just protect us. Would you just help us in the end? And so here's an example of a bad decision that I was like, yo, God, I, I really need you to protect me in this moment. So I was hanging out with some friends in Michigan, and uh, it's beautiful. You know, you got the beach there, the sand, it's just awesome. 
And so I'm, uh, I'm out there, and I just look out, and there's clear water. There's this beautiful blue sky. And I look over at the pier. There's, like, this really large, like, concrete pier. And I look, and I see some kids, like, jumping out of the water, jumping off the pier into the water. I'm like, yo, that's kind of dope. So what do I decide to do? I decide to get my snorkeling gear, right? I had my mask and my pipe. And I was ready to go. And so what did I do? Probably what no one else does in Michigan, I decided that I was going to snorkel. So next day, I'm ready to go. I got my gear. And I look just to kind of survey the setting. And I look, and there's these um, ladders that are, like, etched into the concrete just every so couple of yards. So I'm like, okay, this is pretty safe. So I go ahead to the D-band where the big rocks are. And I'm like, I'm going to see some big fish. Here we go. Here's the thing that I didn't tell you, though, is I am not a good swimmer. Like, I'm a terrible swimmer. If, you, if, if, if we're hanging out at the pool, here's what I do. I, I cling on to one edge of the pool, I kick my feet, and I make my way to the other side of the pool. That is how I swim. Basically, I'm really good at not drowning, and I'm terrible at actually swimming. And so, right, it's beautiful, and so I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and take this jump. So I take this jump, and yo, the little fishies were beautiful. I'm looking down. I'm seeing all these fish. This is great. And all of a sudden, like, the waves just kind of start to pick up. And now there's, like, uh, stuff splashing in my pipe. And I'm, like, trying to blow it out. And it's getting kind of crazy because now I'm starting to get tired. Because the only way I know how to swim is, like, doggy paddle. Like, that's the only thing I can do. And so I'm losing, uh, losing confidence in myself. And uh, so I go over to that ladder again, right? Just checked out the situation. I go over to the ladder, and I go, I put my foot up there to, uh, to climb up. As soon as I do that, put my foot at the first rung of the ladder, my entire body slips underneath. The reason why is because the entire ladder is covered in seaweed and algae, so it's just a slippery trap. So I kid you not, for the next, like, five minutes or so, I legit fought for my life. There was no one else on the beach. I was trying to time out when the waves were coming to get high enough to get up top. It was really, really bad. And so that's a bad decision, right? But here's the deal. For most of us, right, we make a decision and then we ask, yo, God, like at the tail end of it, we pray for protection, right? That is the truth. But tonight, I want to convince you that there is a better way, that God gives us discernment before we make a decision in protection. That is what um, we see in Nehemiah. So we're going to take a look at Nehemiah. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to chapter 6 of Nehemiah, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. We've been in Nehemiah. We're in the series, Let's Rebuild, and so we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Hopefully you had enough time. Let's go ahead and get it. <clears throat> when word came to San, uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up at that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of oh no, but they were scheming to harm me. Turn to the person next to you. Say they were scheming. They were scheming. That's right. Uh, so I uh, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. 
Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down and go down to you? Verse four, four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. BC20, would you go ahead, close your Bibles, open up your hearts, let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are a God who protects us. There's a lot in our world that is scary and difficult to deal with. And Lord, ultimately, um, we need your guidance for the decisions that we make in life. God, I pray for anybody who, in particular, just feeling a sense of heaviness over a recent decision that they made. God, I pray that uh, your grace would just rest over them. God, we thank you because you love us so much and you choose to speak to us through your word. And so we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the story of Nehemiah. God, I pray tonight that um, just your words would be spoken because nothing outside of what I could prepare would ever do justice for what is uh, needing to be done, Lord. And only transformation is done by your spirit. So God, we just ask for your spirit to come. In your holy name, amen. Amen. So let me just kind of give a little bit of a uh, what's going on here with Nehemiah. We've been in the series for quite some time. Here's the deal. So Nehemiah is a guy who's been on the grind to rebuild the wall, right? To rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. This is what he's on a mission for. He had a burden on his heart. And guess what? He ended up creating a lot of enemies in the process of trying to rebuild this wall. And so right, like right here in this scene, we find out that like, he's pretty much done with the wall, right? Like he's pretty much done. And all he's got to do is put up a gate and that's it. So couple of the enemies that kind of come up in the story when we're looking at Nehemiah or uh, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And literally, they would do anything in their power to stop Nehemiah in, the, in his tracks. And so in chapter 6, we see Nehemiah has the wall up, right? Everything is pretty much done. And so at this point, the enemies, what, what can they really do, right? They can't really tear down the product of his work, so what do they try to do? They try to destroy him personally because they can't take down the product of his work. And so Nehemiah, right, he has built this and he's in protection because uh, of the walls that he built. And so the only way that the enemies could get to him is if the enemies lured Nehemiah out of the walls that he built. Think about it like a, like a turtle, right? Like a turtle is pretty protected inside of its shell and what's going on. And if it gets pulled out of the shell, well, it will probably die. But nonetheless, Nehemiah the same way. Like he's in this and he is safe and good. And so my first point today is this. Discernment allows us to see schemes. Here's what I mean by that. So these dudes, right, they are trying to get Nehemiah out. And so what do they suggest? They suggest that we're going to meet at the place of oh no. The name of the place alone should let you know, oh no, I shouldn't go there, right? And so Nehemiah, he's like, "Mm, yeah, something's up. And so, you know, the invitation sounds nice, but he knows this. Like, here's the problem. The journey there to the place of oh no is that it would take one day to get there. It would take a day to have that little press conference to talk and to meet together with enemies, like who wants to do that anyways, and then a day to come back. And so Nehemiah had this discernment. He's thinking, why in the world would my enemies want to spend three days with me? So he knows, "Mm, something is up. 
You see, uh, the time that Nehemiah spent with God made him sensitive to divine guidance. Here's what I mean. His discernment was a defense. We look at at, uh, verse 2. It says, but they were scheming to harm me. So he knew this, right? So discernment allows us to see the schemes of our enemies. Let me put it this way. If you spend a good amount of time driving through country roads, what happens? Shout out to Sunbury. Here's what happens. You become really good and you learn how to avoid the danger of a deer, right? Why? Because as you're driving, right, sunset, you know, uh, the, the deer are probably going to be coming out on the side of the road right now. Or you turn a tight corner, you go, hmm, I should be expecting a deer here. I'm going to keep my brights on. Or you're in a wooded area as you're driving through, you know all the signs of the danger of a deer. Because why? Because the time that you spend on the road. And so Nehemiah is able to see the signs because God doesn't just convince us and tell us where to go and just lead us in, you know, and like, here's a positive thing that I'm leading you towards. He doesn't just give us promises, but he also warns us. And so Nehemiah, because of the time that he spent with God, is able to see the signs. And so Nehemiah's discernment put him in a position, Nehemiah's discernment put him in a position where he wouldn't have to protect himself. When you think about that, because for most of us, like, what do we do, right? Like, if we know our enemies, or just it's a little sketchy. We know that, you know, there's going to be this meeting place. I'm going to have to go out there. Like, try to put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes. What you would do is you would go, okay, well, I'm just going to bring some extra bodyguards. Like, like, that's a smart move, right? Like, I'm just going to be a little extra protected as I go out to meet my enemies. But Nehemiah is not smart. He's wise. And so what does he do? Before any of it, he says, God, do you even want me to go here? Do you even want me to go there in the first place? And so his discernment stops him from having to even protect himself because he avoided the danger altogether. Somebody say amen to that. And so this is what happens to us. But Nehemiah, this is the the first attack that kind of happens that we're going to take a look at. The next one comes up, right? Nehemiah is told four times, like, yo, here's the invitation. He turns it down four times. The fifth time, they decide to get a little spicy, all right? Here's what they do. Nehemiah, it says on the fifth try, uh, Sam Ballot sent one of his workers out with an opened letter. Here's what the letter reads, starting in uh, verse 6. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to those reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together, right? Come, let us meet together. And so here's the, the, the scary part is the open letter. But really quick, my second point tonight is this. Discernment allows us to see slander. Really want you to get that. Discernment allows us to see slander. These guys would stop at nothing to attack and to bring down Nehemiah, right? They, they were uh, going to call him, a, they called him a um, a politically corrupt rebel. That's what, that's what this letter just that we just read says, that he was this politically corrupt rebel. But here's the problem with an open letter. 
an open letter, we don't really have any context for this, but back in that time, an open letter was treated like public property. So what that means is anybody and their mama could read this letter as the messenger was walking through town. And this means that like everybody was getting the news. And, and immediately, right, like what would we do if, if there was a lot of like slander that was coming out? We're going to go and try to like put down these fires and say, you know what, like, yo, that's not true. This dude crazy. Listen, none of it is true. We're going to try to defend our name. And so even though Nehemiah was innocent of all these, you know, false accusations, these charges, he was tempted, right, I'm sure, to go and clear his name. But what would happen if he did that? He would run the risk that he would legitimize all of these illegitimate claims, right? If he's trying to defend himself in such a way like, man, you look really guilty right now, right? Instead of just letting the truth come out. And so again, Nehemiah, with his discernment, what does he do? He's a man of prayer. And so he sits and he waits. And he uh, then is able to discern that this letter, this open letter that, you know, was like going out to so many people and was going to ruin Nehemiah's name, it was actually like a failed attempt. Like this letter didn't reach nobody. Like nobody actually read this letter. And so like he avoided this altogether because he was able to discern. And when he discerned, he's like, oh, yeah, God is just revealing to me right now that I'm actually, my name is actually not in danger. And he actually goes out and calls the bluff. And so listen, here's the deal. Unjust accusations were alive during the time of Nehemiah, and they exist today, right? They exist today. And what I love about God is that he uses every painful experience to grow us. What I don't like about God is that he uses every painful experience to grow us, right? And so here's the deal. Even, mm, even in unkind words of our enemies, are you ready? There is a lesson. VZ20, it's so easy to bark back. Imagine if somebody uh, told you, you know what? You actually don't care that much about your friends. You just keep them around so you could build up some kind of a social status. You're just full of pride, right? If someone said that to you, you might just look at them and be like, man, you're just mad that you didn't get the invite to go hang out, sucker. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like mad at them and you just want to bark back. But instead, what we have to do is this. Even if this slander was intended to harm us, we have to slow down and we have to say, search me, oh God. If there is any truth even if it's from an enemy, even if it's mostly slander, if there's anything that is true, God, would you reveal it? God, would you purify my heart? Search me, Lord. You see, discernment is the ability to recognize truth and goodness. Truth and goodness, no matter where it comes from, because why? All truth is God's truth, even if that truth is coming from an enemy who is trying to slander our name. Discernment is the result of living a prayerful life. And so Nehemiah, right, first thing first, he's able to know, oh, uh, you know what, there's a scheme going on. I could see this because of his discernment, because of the time that he spent with God. In the same way for us, right, when there's slander, 
He's able to have time with God, and he knows God's voice, and he knows what is truth and what sticks. And so he's able to process. But of course, just like us, like, you know, when it rains, it pours. When, when something bad happens, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we see this in the story of Nehemiah. See, Nehemiah, he goes to a friend. He goes to Shemaiah, right? He's got a homie that he's going to go hang out with. And he realizes, like, there is so much opposition that is going on. I just need a place to vent, right? And so here's what happens when he gets to Shemaiah's house to vent. Here's what it says in verse 10. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. So he says, like, yo, they're going to kill you twice. I don't know why he does that, but he does that. All right. And so on the surface level, right, like just just looking at this, it seems like, oh, this is a good word, right, that, yo, Nehemiah, why don't you just go hide in the church? That's a safe spot. We're going to close the doors. You will be safe. At the, you know, um, at the surface level, this sounds good. But in fact, Shemaiah became Nehemiah's new enemy, even though he was an old friend. And this is what just is so difficult. Nehemiah was able to discern that God didn't send Shemaiah to help him. But instead, Shemaiah was bought out by Sanballat. So he's going to a friend to talk about all this opposition. He gets there, and this dude is bought out by his enemy. And so how disheartening could that really be, right? Like, Nehemiah's got to be devastated about this. Now I know that after a year like 2020, we can all relate to Nehemiah. Why? Because many of us have been surprised by what our friends have chosen to buy into, right? Let's keep it real. People we never expected, people we thought that we were on the same page with, and we're like, really? Really? Like, like we, we go to complete denial. Like, there's no way that my friend would ever post something like that because, like, come on, we, we grew up together. I know them. There's no way. But here's the wisdom and discernment. Discernment allows us to see sellouts. That's what we look at from Nehemiah. You see, Sam Ballet and the rest of the enemies were so desperate to take down Nehemiah First, they try to isolate and kill him, right? They try to go take him to the place of, oh, no. Then they try to break his character with slander. And then they go ahead and try to break his religious commitment through a friend. And I'll explain that in just a second. You see, Nehemiah wasn't a priest, okay? But the false prophet, Shemaiah, who was his friend, who sold out, told him, yo, if you go to the temple right? You're a victim seeking refuge, safety. Why don't you do that? But in fact, the temple rules were this, that no one could go to the place, the holy place, and even close the door except a priest. Nehemiah wasn't a priest. And so Shemaiah was trying to convince Nehemiah to go into the temple to break a religious code because they couldn't isolate him, right? They couldn't break down his character, so now they're going to try to attack him by uh, breaking a religious law. And so they tried to defame his character. And the reason why they wanted to attack his character was because he was an influential leader. Napsai, you can go ahead 
and make your way up. <clears throat> you see, in an attempt to really make this sell, Shemaiah does, it, it says in, uh, uh, right here in uh, chapter 6, it says this little phrase that I really want you to pay attention to. If you're taking notes, write this down. Shut in at his home, right? He was shut in at his home. Shemaiah is pretending like he's actually afraid, like he's on the side with Nehemiah, that Shemaiah is afraid of Nehemiah's enemies, that he was shut in at home. But that was just a sellout. It was just a ploy to try to convince Nehemiah to break this religious code. And so once again, Nehemiah was sensitive to danger and realized that God had not sent Shemaiah, right? These enemies were trying to kill him. We're trying to break his character. We're trying to uh, crush his commitment to religious code. And so he faces so much opposition, right? But here's the good news. Nehemiah built the wall. Like he did what he was supposed to do. He built the wall. And as we've kind of been through this series, we've seen Nehemiah say, you know what? Like God has been so gracious to me. God has protected my people. God has given me a burden to be able to build this wall, and it is going to do good for my community. All throughout, Nehemiah is pointing to God because he relied on discernment that God gave him through prayer. You see, it was Nehemiah's job to discern, and it was God's job to defend. And so lastly, I want to say this. Living a life of discernment allows our enemies to see the source of our strength. Here's what we read in verse 16. Because Nehemiah, right, all the, the, the word God spread that he faced all this opposition and he did not fall. Why? Because he was discerning what God had over his life. And he's able to rebuild this wall and all the enemies start to find out. Here's what it says. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. You see, God protected Nehemiah in isolation, slander, and betrayal by giving Nehemiah discernment. And so earlier I asked that question like, difficult decision of when do we pray, right? And the answer to that is we should pray right now. And we should pray as often as we can remember. And there's such a better way, friends, than to find ourselves just rushing to make a decision or choosing to try to protect our lives or the people we love by our own means and then looking back and realizing it wasn't enough and saying, God, I really need you right now for protection. Because the truth is this. God protected Nehemiah through discernment. And God's protection is here for us through discernment. And so I want to take a second just for anybody in the room who, um, you know, thinks about this story of Nehemiah and those, those, those same themes keep coming up, right, of what God protected Nehemiah from. We have isolation, slander, and betrayal. And so maybe tonight you think about the month that you've had. You think about the week that you've had. And one of those just kind of hits home, right? Maybe isolation might feel too strong of a word. Maybe it's loneliness. Or when you think about slander, that feels like, 
that might be a little bit much, but maybe you're just surrounded in a circle of gossip and it's draining and it's really difficult and you feel yourself getting pulled into it and you don't really know what to do. I want to encourage you to pray. And also, you know, maybe it's not betrayal, but maybe you were just let down by a friend. You had an expectation and they couldn't pull through. And so tonight, let's just take a second and be honest with God about what we might be facing right now. Because God, you will provide protection in the middle of the moment. We don't have to wait till everything just crashes down for one last Hail Mary. And so real quick, would everybody just go ahead and bow their heads and close their eyes. Nothing special about this. God already knows your heart and he knows your situation, but if you would just be honest before God right now, would you just quickly raise your hand if you're like, you know what, Pastor Santos, it's, it's isolation and loneliness for me. Would you just, real quick, appreciate your honesty. Put your hand down. Maybe in the room tonight, it might just be like, God, I, I really need you to help me to discern what to do in the middle of just this mess of gossip. There's anybody here, would you just raise your hand? And lastly, if there's anyone tonight who says, you know what, I'm really struggling with a friend right now, and I feel betrayed, I feel turned on, would you just raise a hand just to be honest before God? Appreciate your honesty. So God, we take a second to say, Lord, that we fail to make the right decision sometimes. And God, in desperation, we go to you for protection. But that's okay because we're going to the right source. But God, the problem is for us, that we have full access to you, that in the middle of a difficult situation or decision, we can go to you then. And so tonight, Lord, we recognize loneliness that we might be facing. God, I pray that anybody who might have raised their hand or just identified with that, God, that they would experience your nearness to the brokenhearted. Holy Spirit, would you comfort right now? In the name of Jesus, would you comfort? Because the truth is, Lord, when we have you, we are never alone. God, to anyone tonight who says, just struggling with a situation of gossip, situation of gossip that 
we feel that we have to defend ourselves or prove ourselves, God, we stand before you and you are the only one who brings value over our name. You are the source, Lord, for affirmation. Nothing else. So we turn to you, God. And if there's anybody in the room just feeling betrayed, just feels let down by a friend, God, I pray a spirit of forgiveness, I pray, Lord, that for whatever it might mean for someone, that that anger or that frustration might be justified in their heart, that they were let down. So God, we are uh, decaying creatures and we constantly need you to breathe life into us. And so tonight, Lord, that's our prayer. Would you breathe life into us, Lord? Would you bring life into our situations? Would you help us to discern, Lord, the way you're leading us? for listening to the BC20 podcast. Make sure to subscribe for more sermons and intentional conversations. You can also check us out online at bc20.com.